Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, we're going to be continuing our series on baptism and wrapping it up uh, this, this morning. Next week, uh, Dr. Eddie Sharp will be with us. And I want to encourage you to, to be here for that and not only uh, be here on Sunday, but if you can be here on Saturday, you will be blessed. Eddie is an amazing speaker, uh, amazing teacher. And I, I know that um, we're all going to be blessed by the messages that, that he brings. And so please make an effort to, to be here next Saturday and Sunday. I know some are concerned about our brother Paul. It was mentioned in class that, that he had a wreck. There was some confusion about that. He didn't have a wreck. It was just an accident. But um, Robin texted me a few minutes ago, and, and he's doing okay. And so um, uh, just wanted to update you all on that. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about baptism, and we've been looking at different aspects of it. And hopefully, maybe you've thought about baptism in a little bit different way uh, than you did before. We've seen how baptism is a change of story. You know, we give up one story, and we embrace another. We embrace God's story. We've seen how baptism is a renunciation of Satan and his ways. When we are baptized, we are turning our back on everything having to do with Satan and evil. And, th and this morning what we're going to do is we're going to conclude our series by, by looking at baptism's relation to death and how baptism and death kind of go together. And I've been beginning um, each of these lessons with a, a scene from a movie and I decided to, to save the, the best baptism scene in a movie for last. In the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, um, Pete, Delmar, and Everett are escaped convicts who are on the run, and, and they're hiding out from the law, and, and they're in the woods, and they're, they're dining on a, a wonderful meal of gopher, and uh, they, they, they begin to hear some singing, and they, they look around, what's going on? And, and there are these men and women who are dressed all in white, and they're making their way down to the river to be baptized. And Everett, who's the leader of the group, he, he comments on all this, and he says, well, I guess hard times flush the chumps. Everyone's looking for answers. And, and before Everett can finish his dismissal of this sacred Christian practice, Delmar has run into the river, and he's cut to the very front of the line, and the minister plunges him down beneath the water, and Delmar is saved. And as he begins to walk back towards his friends, he, he, he yells out to him, Well, that's it, boys. I've been redeemed. The preacher's done washed away all my sins and transgressions. It's the straight and narrow from here on out, and heaven's everlasting's my reward. The preacher said, All my sins is washed away, including that piggly wiggly that I knocked over in Yazoo. And, and Everett replies to him, I, I thought you was innocent of those charges. Well, Delmar says, I was lying. And the preacher says that that sin's been washed away too. Neither God nor man's got nothing on me now. Come on in, boys. The water's fine. And then his friend Pete, he, he runs out there. He wants to join in on this, and he's baptized also. And part of the focus, if we pay attention, part of the focus of the rest of the film is whether or not Pete and Delmar's baptism sticks. 
You know, will these escaped convicts' lives be changed? Or will they end up just returning to their old ways that they once knew, all the, all the criminal activity and all that? What's it going to be? And we keep watching because we want to find out what really happened to, to Pete and Delmar when they were immersed in that river. Did they die to self? Did they put to death the lives that they were living? Or was it all a show? And so, what is baptism? Well, as we've seen over the last few weeks, baptism is many things. But this morning, I want to suggest that baptism is death. Now, that may sound morbid to some. There are not many churches who, who lead with that when they begin to talk about baptism. They, they don't advertise, come and be baptized and die. So why would we say baptism is death? Well, one of the things we, we might look at is we might look at the architecture of early churches. There is the Dura Europos Church in Syria, and it's one of the, the oldest churches that, that we know about. It dates all the way back to the, second, the, the early 2nd century. And, and archaeologists can tell us that this was first a home, someone's home, and then it was later converted into a church. And there's a baptistry there. And the baptistry in this church is shaped like a coffin. And there's a, a mural right next to the baptistry, and the mural they have is of the three Marys who are visiting the tomb of Jesus. And so death was one of the images that the early church associated with baptism. But that's not the only reason why we should connect these ideas. We can go back further. We can go to Scripture. We can look at a passage like Romans 6, a passage on baptism. You know, this is, this is what Paul's talking about here. And just notice how many times he mentions death. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Did you catch all of that? Paul says that, that we were buried. We were buried with him by baptism into death. We have been united with him, united with Jesus in a death like his. Our old self was crucified with him. We have died with Christ. 
And he says all these things, but I'm not sure we always believe him. You know, we, we, we hear this language. And, and, and we somehow dismiss it in our minds. Maybe we think it's figurative or something. We tell ourselves, well, you know, Paul really didn't mean that we're to die. And this is why we never talk about baptism and death together. Just think about it. We talk about baptism and forgiveness. We talk about baptism and salvation. We talk about, you know, baptism and the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about baptism and death. But what if we were to take Scripture seriously? What if we just assumed that, that Paul really meant what he wrote there? What if we believed that, that God actually intended to connect baptism and death? How would that change how we think about baptism? How would it alter how we practice baptism? You know, the idea that baptism and death are associated should not be a shock to us. Because there are other passages in the Bible that hint at this. And one is Jesus' invitation to be a disciple. We find this in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus tells us that if we're going to follow him, we're going to have to die. We cannot be a disciple, we cannot be a Christian without first dying. We're to take up a cross. What's a cross? It's an instrument of death. We are to crucify our ego. And only then can we begin to follow Jesus. Some people are trying to follow Jesus without dying first. And it doesn't work that way. We're not ready to follow Jesus until we have died. We're not equipped to follow Jesus until we have undergone death. We have to crucify the parts of us that are keeping us from God. We have to put to death sin, which are actually these inhuman parts of us, so that Jesus can now live in us and teach us how to be fully human. Death and discipleship go hand in hand. Let me give you another passage that, that points to the significance of death. It's found in John 12 and verse 24 where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And you can go back and look here and Jesus makes this statement within the context of discipleship. And so he's talking about those who will follow him. And where does he say it all begins? It begins at death. That's when we start to bear much fruit. What is this death that he speaks about here over and over again? It's not the death that we experience at the end of our lives. He's talking about another death. He's talking about this, this, this death that we undergo when we're baptized. And Jesus makes it clear 
There's only one path to becoming a fruitful Christian, becoming the, the, the person that God wants us to be, be, becoming someone transformed into the image of Jesus, and it all begins by dying. Jesus' invitation is an invitation to die. Now that might sound too radical to some. And Jesus understood this. It's why he says there, there are some people who, who love their life too much to lose it. They love their possessions. They, they, they love their job. They love their status in society. They love their passions and their loyalties. They love it all too much to give it up and follow Jesus. Jackson read one of those accounts for us this morning. A rich, young ruler. I've done all these things, but I'm not ready to die. There are others who find ways to just kind of get around these statements from Jesus and Paul. Well, you know, they, they didn't really mean die. They didn't really want me to, to give something up in order to be a Christian. I, I can still be a Christian and live how I used to live. I, I can still be a Christian and go along with the ways of the world. I can still call myself a Christian and just do what I want to do. What if Jesus was serious? What if he really meant what he said? And maybe the, the reason we're not experiencing the life that we read about in Scripture is because we've yet to die. We haven't put to death those, those, those parts of us that God tells us to. You know, last week we looked at a passage in, in Colossians that says, put to death whatever is in you that is earthly. We can't get around this. We can't dismiss it. We can't explain it away. Following God begins by dying. And if we do not first die, then we cannot practice the faith as it was intended to be practiced. We cannot do Christian things in Christian ways. Let me give you an example of this. Look at 1 John 5 and verse 14, where it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask him anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, a lot of people look at this verse and they think it says, God's going to hear all my prayers. And that's not what it says. It says, if we ask according to his will, he hears us. Jesus prays in the garden, not my will, but thine. And so to properly pray involves crucifying our will and embracing God's will. There are a lot of people praying for a new Cadillac Escalade and they're driving around in a beat-up Kia. They're praying for their will, not God's will. They're not willing to, to, to give up the dream. They're not praying for justice in the world. They're not praying for, for those who are going without food. They're not praying for, for God to use them, even if it means suffering, even if it means hardship. Did Jesus want to suffer? No. 
Did Jesus desire to feel the pain of death? No. He did it because it was his Father's will. He did it because love is greater than getting our way. If we get our way all the time, then we're never going to become the person that God wants us to be. The path to becoming like Jesus involves suffering and death. And it's not always easy. But it is good. It is right. It is the way to glory. And there are no shortcuts. There's only following and imitating Jesus step by step, day by day. Paul was not mistaken when he invited us to be baptized and to die. These two are connected. We die when we are baptized. We put to death our sinful ways. Our old self is crucified and we are raised a new creation. This is baptism. It is dying and being born again. It is crucifying who we were in order that we can be raised a new person. That's what's happening, but that's not all. We are baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so this is an invitation to live a crucified life. God is at work in baptism. But, but then what he does is he invites us to, to live the life that we have just committed to live. He invites us to live a life of dying. We don't just crucify our ego once and then it goes away. We do this every day. You know, when you look at the, the call of discipleship in, in Luke, it's, it's a little bit different. The, the, there, there's a word here that's not found in Matthew. It says, um, he said to all, if anyone would come after me and let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. We're to do this daily. We cannot sit back and expect God to do everything for us. God expects something of us. Will we embrace this way or not? Will Pete and Delmar choose to die daily or will they just drift back into their old ways? What will we choose today? What will we choose tomorrow? What will we choose the day after that? You see, even after we've been a Christian for some time, we will discover that there are still parts of us that need to die. There are habits that we need to abandon. There are choices that, that, that we just need to give up. There are attitudes and dispositions that, that we need to destroy. What will we choose? Well, baptism is something that we do once, but baptism is also something that we never forget. We remember our baptism. We remember choosing to live a new story. We remember renouncing Satan and his ways. We remember dying to self and embracing the cross as a way of life. And so our baptism is not just relevant on the day that it takes place. It is relevant every day of our lives. Your baptism 
matters just as much today as it did 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago or however long it was when you entered into those waters. God is at work in your life. And he wants to bless you and he wants to see you bear much fruit. But you have to make a decision. And it's a decision that you should have made on the day that you were baptized. Are you willing to die? Are you willing to crucify your ego? And embrace the will of God. Are you willing to give up your way for God's way? And I realize the thought of, of death can be scary, but here's what we need to understand. If we die with Christ, we will be raised with Christ. If we put to death the parts of our lives that do not honor God and we trust in Him, God will bless us with a new life. And death is not the end. It is the beginning. It's the start of a new life in Christ. It is becoming a disciple and following Jesus. And so believe it or not, Baptism and death go hand in hand. We must die before we are raised. And you cannot have one without the other. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before your throne this morning. And we're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your mercy because we are far from perfect. We are sinful beings. We thank you for the, the blessing of baptism and, and that you are now in us and you're working in us and you're helping us. We have died with Christ. And that is good news. Because you have raised us to be a new creation. But Father, sometimes we drift back into sin or sometimes there are parts of us that are still not honoring you. They're still not what you would have us to be and I pray that you would help us put to death those parts so that we can live a new life, so that others can see Jesus in us. We're so grateful for his sacrifice, for, for his willingness to say, not my will, but thine. May we embrace those words and that prayer. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.